Thank you, choir, orchestra, Natalie and Kevin. Back during the 1960s, there was a lot of interest in the Miss America pageant. I suppose the reason is because we wanted to know who was the ideal woman uh, representing American women at that time. When they came to the interview stage, the obligatory question was always asked of the contestant, if you had one wish to be granted, what would your wish be? And right on cue, the contestant would always say the same thing, I would wish for world peace. There has not been a lot of world peace. From 1840 to 1941, Great Britain was involved in 78 wars. France was involved in 71. Russia was involved in 61. Germany in 23 and the United States in 13. There has not been a great deal of peace because man in his heart oftentimes seems to be a warring creature. In fact, some of the most violent battles today take place in the political arena. And it seems to be acceptable to destroy one's opponent even if lying is necessary to do so. There are political wars that we deal with, theological wars among us. In fact, the war with ISIS is a theological war. And then there are wars within ourselves psychologically. We struggle within ourselves psychologically. I remember being in a psychology class when I was in college. Dr. Jeske said we are all neurotic. Our hope is we don't become psychotic. I'm not sure that that has worked for everyone, but that nevertheless is the hope. There are spiritual battles that take place within us. In fact, the Apostle Paul spoke about the battle spiritually that was going on within him. He said in Romans 7, For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. He's talking about a battle spiritually that is going on with in himself. The, the, the things I want to do, I fail to do. Those things I don't want to do, I end up doing. There's a battle that goes on. And yet in spite of all that, man desires peace. We all want peace. Augustine wrote in the city of God, peace is a good, so great that even in this earthly and mortal life, there is no word we hear with such pleasure. Nothing we desire with such zest or find to be more thoroughly gratifying. We want peace. We live in a world of war, but we want peace. And so man has tried to orchestrate peace somehow. When the United Nations was founded in 1945, its motto was to have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. So man has had many solutions to the warring nature in which we find ourselves, but God's solution was to send to this world the Prince of Peace, the Messiah. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse number 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. There are more than 400 references in the Bible to peace. But what is it? What actually is peace? There are those who understand it within a negative context. In other words, peace is the absence of conflict. If there is no conflict, then there is peace. That actually is not peace. That is a truce. For instance, we have been told repeatedly on television that at this Christmas season and during Thanksgiving... When you are gathered with your family, don't speak about politics. Don't ruin the holidays speaking about politics. So what they're actually asking us is to call a truce. That isn't peace. That is a truce, and as soon as the holiday has ended, then you can go back with the same political positions that you have always had. In fact, it would be my guest this morning some of you engaged in a war before you got to church. Maybe it's husband with wife, maybe it's parents with children, but you were involved in a war before you got here, and for this hour, you have a truce. And so during this hour, we are involved in a truce. As soon as we have the benediction, then you engage in the war again. Churches do the same thing. They call a truce between church conferences. But the next church conference is a call to war. So we have these truces. That is not peace. What is peace? We all desire peace, but what is it? Well, it has an upward dimension in its totality. There is an upward dimension. Romans 5.1 says... Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the upward dimension of peace is when I become a believer, when I commit myself to Jesus Christ, now then I am at peace with God. So there is the upward dimension of peace. If I am at peace with God, the upward dimension then I can be at peace with myself inward. So there's an upward dimension. There is an inward dimension. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? So in its totality, peace then has an upward dimension. By faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not at war with God. 
It has an inward dimension because of my relationship to him, I can be at peace with myself. And now it has an outward dimension. If I am at peace with God, I am at peace with myself, then I can be at peace with you. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing walls. So a commitment to Christ makes us one. So what is peace then? Well, it's more than a truce. A truce is a pause to reload, but it isn't peace. If we are to have peace, there must be an upward dimension, I am right with God, an inward dimension, now then I can be at right with myself, and an outward dimension, then I can have peace with you. Well, we desire peace, we search for peace. But what destroyed peace? Why don't we have it? If we want it, why don't we have it? Because sin destroys peace. You see, Adam and Eve had peace until they sinned. When sin came into the world, then their peace was gone. They no longer had peace with God, the upward dimension. They were no longer at peace with themselves, the inward dimension. And they were no longer at peace with others as Cain slew his own brother. What destroys peace? Sin. And the Bible says that sin is common to us. In Romans 3.23 it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My friend, no matter how good you might think yourself to be, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short. We don't measure up. We don't measure up to the standard. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Psalm chapter 14, verse 3, there is no one who does good, not even one. So then we all are sinners and sin destroys peace. The scripture says in Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. So we talk about peace, we want peace. Sin destroys peace and righteousness produces peace. The Bible says that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. The word imputed is a bookkeeping term, which means it is put in my account. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. So when I become a believer then, the righteousness of Christ is placed in my account. And now then, I am righteous, not because I am righteous, but because he is righteous and his righteousness is placed in my account. Now because of that, I can have peace with God. The righteousness of Christ allows me to have peace with God. Paul was at war with God until he met Jesus Christ. And then he was at peace with God. So the righteousness of God imputed to me means that I can have peace with God. It means that I can be at peace with myself. My guess is at this Christmas season... There are some of you who are struggling with yourself. There is no peace within your heart, no peace within your mind. There is a struggle. And I say to you that Jesus Christ and his righteousness can give you peace. Some of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur. 
Ben-Hur was a man of conflict. He was a man of war. If you saw the movie, you remember in the closing scene when he came to know Jesus and he made the statement, Jesus took the sword out of my hand. That, that, that's what Jesus does. We, we want peace. The righteousness of Christ produces peace within us. I am at peace with the Father. I am at peace with myself. And then I can be at peace with others. The righteousness of Christ gives me peace. I can have peace with my family. On Wednesday night, I generally go around the tables and people are eating and shake hands with people. And then I'll usually meander over to the Davis table. They have a big crew, family members all there. And I watch the dynamic that takes place. Now, they don't all agree on everything. You've got too many girls for that to happen. <laughs> but there's a sense of peace. They have peace. Oftentimes, people who visit our church will remark to me when I speak to them about the joy and the unity and the oneness that is within this church. Why is that? I mean, we have Democrats and Republicans. How can you have peace? We have liberals and conservatives. How can you have peace? Do we all agree? No. For heaven's sake, we don't all agree on everything. Occasionally, Linda's wrong when she doesn't agree with me. That's not the point. It isn't the point that we all agree. The point is, is that we can disagree with we we can disagree with each other and yet be agreeable. See, we, we have peace even though we don't agree with each other because that is what the righteousness of Christ provides us. If you, if you want peace in your life, my friend, then you find it in the righteousness of Christ, and in the righteousness of Christ, when it reigns in your life, then you have peace with the Father, you have peace with yourself, and you can have peace with others. Well, then, how can we have peace? You know, we hear a lot about peace today. How can we have peace? I understand that we need to have peace with North Korea. We need to have peace with Russia. We need to have peace with Iran. We need to have peace with China. How can we have peace? We're not going to have it the way we go about it because it cannot provide peace. One has to understand that God is the source of peace, that only He can give peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. You see, God is the God of peace. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Romans chapter 15, verse 33, Now the God of peace be with you all. God is the God of peace, and only He can give peace. So we have to understand that God is the source of peace. Do you want peace? If we want peace, we have to understand that God is the source of peace. 
that he provides peace. Jesus is the manifestation of peace. The Father is the source. Jesus is the manifestation. He purchased peace. Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. So the scripture says that he is our propitiation, which means he satisfied the holiness of God. When Jesus died on the cross, all of my sins, all of your sins were placed on him. He paid for our sins, therefore he satisfied the holiness of God. Thus he is the mediator of peace. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the mediator that stands between God and men. I saw a picture read a story some time ago. It was a couple who was getting a divorce. They were standing before the judge in the picture. Their little four-year-old boy was standing with them. The judge was about to pronounce the divorce, but the son, the little four-year-old boy, had taken the hand of his father and the hand of his mother, and he placed them together. That's what Jesus does. He takes the hand of the Father and takes hand of the sinner and he brings us together that there might be peace because he mediates peace. God the Father is the source, Jesus is the mediator, and the Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. When one is saved, trust Christ, born again, that person receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So according to Scripture, if you have trusted Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not His. So the Holy Spirit then is the gift. And then He gives to us gifts with which we serve, with which we minister. And then we live out the graces of the Spirit, which are Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, The Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. He is the gift who comes into my life. He gives to me certain gifts with which I serve. And then I live out the graces, which includes peace. Christians are the messengers of peace. We are God's peace corps. Well, if we, that's sort of a, In some circles, that's almost an oxymoron, isn't it? Christians, the messengers of peace. Sometimes we are not messengers of peace, and the reason I would imagine is because we have the wrong attitude. First of all, we have to, if we are going to be messengers of peace as the people of God, we have to have an attitude of humility. I can't have everything I want. Everything is not going the way I want. I have to have an attitude of humility. So if I'm a messenger of peace, then I have to be humble. If I'm a messenger of peace, then that means I'm an activist. Now there is a difference. Sometimes we don't understand the difference, but there is a difference between a peace lover and a peacemaker. You see, a peace lover is passive. I just love peace. I want peace. I desire peace. So a peace lover is passive. A peacemaker is an activist. A peacemaker is someone 
when things are not right, they pray for it. They do everything that they can. They become involved because they have to make peace. They make peace. I, I, I will, I'll go ahead and say this, and some of you are not going to agree with it, and it's all right with me. But the truth is, sometimes peace comes through a fight. Sometimes the way peace comes about is the result of a fight that has taken place. But understand a peacemaker is an activist, a peace lover is passive, and it's risky to be a peacemaker because you're going to be misunderstood or you're going to be taken advantage of. All right, now, what then is the field in which we make peace? If we are to be peacemakers or the messengers of peace, what is the field in which we are to be engaged, we are to be involved in making peace? Well, in our community, are you a peacemaker in the community? Are you a messenger of peace in, in your community? That is one of the things that Reverend Jackson and I have wanted to do is that we have wanted to be a peacemaker, a peace messenger concerning race relations within our community. Are you a peacemaker at work, a messenger of peace at work, or are you an antagonist at work? Let me ask you another one. What about on the road when you're driving? Are you a messenger of peace or do you have road rage? And I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I would just have soon let that one out to be honest with you, but I thought to be fair, probably should put it in. What about at school? Are you a peacemaker, a messenger of peace at school? What about in your family? Are you the one who antagonizes or are you a messenger of peace? There are some people in family relationships who, who make peace when they leave the room. Well, what about you? Do you are, when, when you come into the room, do you bring peace with you or are you the cause of much of the dissension that is within the family? You see, if we're talking about peace, God is the source, Jesus is the manifestation, the Holy Spirit is the agent, and Christians are the messengers. Well, God has given us a design for peace. When warring countries come to the peace table, they sit down to discuss the conditions. What are the conditions of peace? And in the Bible, metaphors are used for the discussion of peace. The slave market... And the slave market symbolizes for us that Jesus Christ paid the ransom that we might be free. So now then we are free. There's the battlefield, which symbolizes that Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin on the cross so that I'm forgiven. The temple... The high priest offered sacrifices for sin. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sin. The courtroom, it is there that Jesus declares us forgiven of our sin. So there is a design for peace that is given to us. And the consequence, what happens when we have peace? Well, we lose our fear of God. I'm not talking about a reverence for God and in the Bible oftentimes when it's talking about fear, it is speaking about reverence for God, that I, rever that I revere God. I, I, believe, I believe that there should be a healthy fear of God. 
if you understand. See, I, I was fearful of my earthly father. Not because I was scared he was going to do something bad to me, but because I knew that he was a disciplinarian, that he expected me to do what I was expected to do. I think the same thing is true with God. See, we, we lose that unhealthy fear of God because, because God is our heavenly Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, that's who God is. God is our heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, so we lose our fear of God. And we lose our fear of death. Dwight L. Moody remarked, if you read someday that I have died, don't you believe it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. When we know the Lord and the peace of God, it removes our fear of God and it removes our fear of death. But we desire peace. I'm sure that every person here desires peace. But my friend, you will find lasting peace in the Savior because he is the Prince of Peace. So the announcement at the Advent in verse number 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Do you have peace today? That's what the Father gives. That's what Jesus died for. Do you know his peace? You can. Our gracious Father, I come to you at this time and I thank you for the peace that is provided through the Lord Jesus, that he is the Prince of Peace. Father, I know that there would be people present today who are struggling. There is no peace in their heart. And I pray, Father, that today they would understand and surrender themselves totally to the Lord Jesus, that you would give peace. Father, bless this invitation time, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing. We extend an invitation. If you are here and never trusted Christ, I encourage you to put your faith in Him today. Trust Him today. Accept His forgiveness today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. I hope you'll come. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.
seated. I told you uh, earlier this month that in our end of the year finances, we had dug a deeper hole than we normally do. And I told you that I had been worrying and praying. And then the Lord seemed to speak to me and said, why don't you try praying and trusting? And then I said, okay, I'm gonna do that. So I've been praying and trusting the Lord. And I am absolutely so grateful for what the Lord has done through his people. You notice in your bulletin that last week uh, you gave $482,708 and we are going to end up the year in the black again and I am so thankful for that. We have today and next Sunday to go and uh, Steve and I are thinking that there's going to be enough in there when all is said and done that we're just going to take a trip to Israel. So <laughs> we, th we thank, the, thank the Lord for that. No, I, I, I praise the Lord for what he has done. Well, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I really do. I hope it's a wonderful, wonderful time for you with your family and all that you do. So God bless you. Merry Christmas. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Our Father in God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who came to give his life that we might have life. In his name I pray. Amen.